welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. Last week at uh, Sparkle Conference, we had a video that was done that was so well done about a, a young lady named Amber. And it was so good that I said the entire church had to see it. About 2,000 ladies were signed up for Sparkle. I said, we've just got to use this. And I actually changed the series for this week and next week based on her testimony. And I do want to give this disclaimer um, for all of our campuses and again for online and here at Apple Valley. Um, there's, it's intense. It's an intense uh, testimony. She's going to talk about self-harm. And so if you don't want to talk about those things with your children, if you're watching online, you can just kind of mute it. Or if you're in the room, we're not going to have it playing in the lobby. And so you take your kids there. Um, but it does end positive. But I'm letting you know that you'd have some conversations. And uh, I also want to say this, uh, as people are just taking their kids and maybe taking them out, uh, we have an amazing children's church. I want to tell you that children's church isn't like, let's have an amazing children's church so that the adults don't get bothered. That is not it, all right? We are having an amazing children's church because we want your kids to have age-appropriate learning. We want them to have uh, teachers that are excited for them, that pray over them. We want uh, teachers that say, we are raising up the next generation. We are discipling them. And uh, I want to let you know, they love your kids. They pray for your kids. And they are really teaching your kids. They're not babysitting, all right? They are teaching your children. And I love that. And if you've not checked your kids in there, please check them in. Let them see. Uh, when I was growing up, I was in church with my mom and dad, and I got in so much trouble. <laughs> Me and my brothers, I mean, we just, we didn't want, you know what we wanted to do? We wanted to sit with grandma and grandpa because he had this little hearing aid thing, and we'd steal it from him and listen to it. But anyway, yeah, because he didn't hit us. You know, mom and dad did. All right. So anyways, but we turned out. All right. Hey, uh, love our kids' ministry. Love, love, love what they're doing. And uh, love this video, and the whole church needs to see it. So uh, get your hearts ready to hear Amber's story and her testimony. My name is Amber Heider. I'm 22. And if it wasn't for the grace of God, I wouldn't be alive today. I attempted to take my life eight times within three years. I was also diagnosed with like personality disorders. With that came a lot of like paranoia, a lot of uh, hallucinations. And so there was just like a loss of touch with what was even real. And then about two or three years of going into psychiatric hospitals and residential facilities, I had what they called a one-to-one -one where someone's within an arm's length distance at all times, whether you're sleeping, going to the bathroom, like anything. I like would do things like running out of the cafeteria with a knife and then they'd have to like tackle me or like jumping over the nurse's station to try to get a phone cord. And then when I wasn't in the hospital, I'd be planning my next attempt. Like I just didn't want to be with me, it was too much. It didn't feel like there was any hope or any escape. And so, like, even dying didn't feel that hopeful. You know, it felt like you were going to an empty grave. That was what I thought at the time. And it was just like, at least then it stops. Like, I just wanted it to stop. I was frustrated from being so unsuccessful at um, killing myself. And so 
I spent the time researching how I could come up with a suicide attempt that would be lethal for real this time so I wouldn't keep failing and being put into treatment and came up with what I thought would be the most effective combination of drugs and um, medications and then gathered those together into a bag and um, when I was going to do it, this thought came into my head. What if the Christians are right? I was terrified because I knew that if the Christians were right, that meant hell would be real. And I already felt like I was in torment, so I didn't want that to be for eternity. I wanted it to end. That was the point. I wanted to prove the Bible wrong so that I could take the medications. So I spent the month uh, reading through the Bible. I was listening to podcasts, um, reading articles, watching sermons from both Christians and atheists to just really get a clear perspective of what both sides believed. And so eventually, I filled out a Connect card online and they connected me with Pastor Josiah from Egan Campus. I just had a lot of questions and felt like it would be helpful to talk to a pastor. I just tried to answer authentically and honestly. There were a lot of things that she was trying to ask me, and I said, you know, there are people that are great at explaining the actual factual details and the historical alignment of these things. I don't know all that off the cuff, but I do know that Jesus has changed my life. And I do know from the many years of walking with Jesus that He's given me hope, that He's given me purpose. And I believe that if you're willing to, He would do the same for you. Even the questions that He would say, I don't know to. He was never shaken in what he believes. He was just like confident in his faith and assured of it. And so after two hours of conversation, it kind of concluded with, have you ever come here for a service? This was a Thursday and I said, if you'd like, we've got services on Sunday. We'd love to have you right here at the Egan campus. You already met me and there'd be a lot of people that I'm sure would love to meet you. In my car on the way home, I felt what I realized later was hope. And I was just like laughing and crying at the same time and was like, I don't know what this is, but this is something I've never experienced. Like I need to go back or to figure out what this is. So that Sunday I went, I just knew that they all had something I didn't have. And I was like, like, what is this? Like something's real here. I left and went home and I was just like, I need to make a decision. And I had the Bible open on the floor in one room and a bag of medication and drugs in the other room. And I was like, today is the day, like I need to decide. I can't keep being at war with myself. It was exhausting. And so I spent probably five or six hours on the floor just crying. And eventually I just gave up. And I was like, God, if you're real, I need you. And in that moment, he came and his presence just flooded the place and it like the, the darkness and the heaviness like lifted completely tangibly. Like I could feel it removed from my shoulders. And from that moment on, everything just changed. I stopped going into treatment, you know, was healed in that way. There is still healing, like there's a level of freedom that came, but there's always more freedom and more healing. When I think about my future now, um, I see just kind of light in life, and I don't know every detail, but I just see constantly growing closer to the Lord and hearing His voice more, and that's exciting <laughs> to me. Looking back now, I can see that God was faithful and He was with me the whole time, even when I was running from Him. Come on, praise God for changed lives. Hey, come on, Amber and Josiah, come on up here. We've got Amber and Josiah. They are here today. Come on, let's give God praise for a changed life. 
Come on. Come on. Oh, praise God. Come on up here. Oh, all right. Amber, uh, talk about how long since you gave your life to Jesus Christ. So that was June 5th of last year. So June 5th of last year, you gave your life to Jesus. And then since then, something exciting has happened as well in our yeah. church. So now I work at Egan Campus as the cam campus coordinator. <laughs> so. And I do have to say, everybody that gets saved, we don't hire them, all right? But uh, we're so grateful for what God has done in your life and for you saying yes to Jesus, that it thrills us. And Josiah, thank you for being there and uh, answering that call. And uh, yeah, being faithful. Yeah, being faithful. Yep. And uh, I want you to pray uh, over all the other Ambers that need to be reached, all the other people that need to be reached, because uh, that's what this church is about. We are not going to stop reaching out and growing and reaching more people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I want you to pray about that. Uh, even right now, if you have faith for somebody in your life, that's an Amber, pray by name and let's pray together with faith. Lord Jesus, we come to you today and we thank you that you are good. Thank you that you are good. Thank you, Lord, for what your word says, that your desire is for all to be saved. So Lord, we pray for the people right now that are in Amber's past situation. People that are thinking that there's only an empty grave, that there's no life to live, that there's no hope to be had, and they're stuck in the midst of uh, suicide and depression and anxiety. Lord, I pray that right now by the sound of my voice, anybody dealing with that would receive the hope. In Jesus' name, they would receive the hope. They'd be willing to pray the same prayer. God, if you're real, I need you. We all need you, Lord, and I thank you that you will answer that prayer in faith. And Lord, I also pray for the people that are just like me. They, they have the hope of Jesus already and there's somebody coming to them saying, I have a need. I don't know these things, but I have questions. Lord, I pray that those people would stand firm. Like First Peter says, they'd be able to give the explanation for the hope that they have and they wouldn't back down. And Lord, I just thank you in Jesus' name that you don't just love the world generally, but you love us specifically. And we receive you and we pray in Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. 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 God's not done. God's not done transforming you and changing you into his image. And we rejoice in that. One more time. Can we thank God for Amber's testimony? Praise God. The Bible says in Joel 3.14 that there are multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. And we believe that. We believe that there are people in the valley of decision. It doesn't matter how good they look, how distracted they are, or how miserable they are. There's a moment that everyone has, a, a moment of decision. And I want you to know our church is clear. We're going to keep preaching. We're going to keep reaching. We're going to keep growing. And we're never going to get bored with people saying yes to Jesus. We're always going to be excited when somebody raises their hand. And even at the end of the service this weekend, Every one of our campuses is going to give an opportunity for people to say yes. It never gets old. It's still uh, amazing to even see one person say yes to Jesus. Now, I believe this, that the, the book of Jude gives us a, a great, just a, a summary of what you just heard in that testimony. And I'm going to give a, a mini sermon before the sermon, all right? And my, my sermon is this. It's called, What If the Christians Are Right? The line that she said, what if the Christians are right? But before I get there, I want to walk through uh, her testimony. In Jude chapter 1, verses 22 and 23, it says, Be helpful to all who may have doubts. 
Rescue any who need to be saved as you would rescue someone from a fire. Then with fear in your own hearts, have mercy on everyone who needs it, but hate even the clothes of those who have been made dirty by their filthy deeds. A couple of things here. The first thing that it stands out to me is people need help. Some of them need a nudge. Some of them need an invite. Some need a rescue and they're just in trouble. And I'm just praying that our church will continue to rescue those people, to go after them, to invite them, and to love them where they're at, knowing that God's not done with them. I love what Amber even said in her video. She's like, there's still more freedom. There's still more that I'm stepping into. And we're going to love people no matter where they're at when they come in our doors and when they come into contact with us as Christians. And as we give them that nudge, we're going to just share our testimony. And we don't have to have all the answers. I shared a, a sermon on that recently. You don't have to have all the answers, all right? But you can live out your faith. Second thing is that when I see this is it has to be done in real time. He's like, rescue them like in a fire. If somebody was in a fire, you'd be like, I'll get back to you, you know, later. You know, it's the, you know, I'll, we'll wait till it burns down and then we'll come. No, it's a fire. It's a rescue. It's very timely. It made me even think of our series that we just did. It's all, you know, too far from the farm. Like it's all about the harvest. Drop everything. It's all about the harvest. And you've got to be ready when the call comes in and when the person's asking the questions. And I'm just saying thank you to everyone that was so faithful. We clap for Josiah for being faithful, but I'm clapping for you for always being there on the parking team and the welcome team and the ushers and the greeters and the kids and, and the camera and all and the online and the people that are doing the welcome home. I mean, do you understand? I'm so thankful for everyone that's saying right now in real time, I love what Josiah said in that testimony. He said, there are a lot of people that would like to meet you. Can I say this to anybody that's doubting? There are thousands of people, thousands and thousands of people at River Valley that would love to meet you, that would love to walk with you through what you're going through. You might think nobody would ever care. Nobody. Yes, this place is filled with thousands and thousands of people that say, we love you, we care, we'd love to meet you, join our small group. They're in there, all right? And um, the third thing that I would say, just because it's mentioned in the text here, is Jude says, hate even the clothes of those who have been made dirty by their filthy deeds. He must have been referencing, no doubt, um, the Levitical rules in Leviticus 13, these laws that were there of dealing with leprosy. And it was saying when somebody has leprosy and sin was compared to leprosy, when somebody has leprosy, like, you would take the clothes that were in the house and you would burn them. You wouldn't even want any contamination to get on you. And some people react to that as Christians, like that's why we, we don't have anything to do with other people that are not Christians and we stay away from those filthy people. No, no, that's not the thing. You need to put on like a fire fighter's outfit. You know what I mean? You need to have some gear on, like rescue them from fire, but you don't want to get it on you. Jude is saying like, be there, rescue, but don't get it on you and uh, be confident about what you believe. Don't be shaky. I love that Josiah, like in the testimony, again, he wasn't shaky. He was like, well, it stumped me there. You know, like he, he was like, I don't know that. There's experts for that one. But here's what I know. I'm confident, like my feet are on solid rock. Like I've built my life on Jesus. William Barclay says this about that. He says, your own feet must be firm on the dry land before you can throw a life belt to the man who is likely to be swept away. I love that Josiah was solid confident. This isn't shaking me. We're here for you. And I want your faith to be that strong. This is just a mini sermonette. Now let's get into what if the Christians are right. 
All right. Nudge your neighbor and say, we're going long today. All right. Now, I don't need to argue today, and I'm not planning to argue philosophical, historical arguments, cosmological. I'm not um, going to argue arguments of reliability and such. If you need that, we've done other sermons about that. We had one recently about apologetics, um, but I would recommend the reason for God, the case for Christ, um, investigating the five arguments for God by Aquinas. I mean, there's a lot of stuff out there. C.S. Lewis, mere Christianity. And speaking of C.S. Lewis, he said, Christianity is a statement which, if false, is of no importance, and if true, is of infinite importance. The one thing it cannot be is moderately important. Okay, this is life and death. This is life and death. Are the Christians right? And when I read the Bible, I see that question or a variation of that question, okay? Long before there were Christians, there were people wondering, is God right? Is the way that God is asking us to live, is that right? People must have been asking that about the Jewish people. Like, is that right? I think about Moses, like he's trying to figure out like, okay, it, 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 who are you and what God are you and what, what's going on here? And God answers and says, I am who I am. This is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. He's like, I am the right God. I'm the only God. I'm the right way. And so God was answering the question long ago. I'm it. I'm it. And I'm thinking about this when the, when the Israelites, the Jewish people were in slavery. It's found in the book of Exodus. They were in slavery and, and God sends plagues against the uh, Egyptians because he wants his people to be set free. And incidentally, like each of those plagues is attacking like a Egyptian deity. And God's saying, I'm right, I'm right. You're wrong, 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 wrong. And I can't help but think that at some point, Pharaoh must have been thinking like, is this right? Are they right? Are they right? Like this was way before Christians, way before Jesus. But he said, are they right? But his own pride, the Bible says his heart was hardened. His own pride wouldn't let him answer that question any further and it made him stiff arm God. But people have always been wondering like, is it right? Is it right? Is it right? When people were confronted with the claims of Jesus, like he's talking about these scriptures are fulfilled and, and he's claiming to be the, the promised one, the son of God. He's claiming to be the Messiah. And people are like, what is it? And there's, is, is this right? What if it's right? And in Mark chapter six, verses two through three, it says, when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things? They asked. What's, what's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he's performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. They're asking all sorts of questions. People have always been like, is he really, is he right? Is this true? And so before there was Christians, the people have just been always asking that. And it says that they, they took offense. They took offense. And some of the questions that people have, they're like, I'm so angry with God. I, I'm not even gonna look into if the Christians are right. I'm angry because I've had my questions and maybe they don't all get answered. And, the, and, and they're like, well, then I'm not even gonna look into it. I'm a stiff arm, I'm gonna take offense. And they push Jesus away. You can't do that. Don't block him, don't stiff arm him. Keep asking, keep knocking, keep coming to church. 
I pray that there'll be a day that you'll raise your hand and you're like, I'm in, I'm in. I might've been a skeptic. I might've been stiff arm. Don't walk away. Keep coming and don't take up an offense at Jesus. Even people that followed Jesus, okay? Even people that followed Jesus, that believed in him were kind of like, what if, like, is Jesus right? Is he right? Again, it's just a form of it. This is before Christians were around. Okay, they weren't even called Christians until we read in the book of Acts, all right? So we weren't even called that Christ followers until then. But John the Baptist, in a roundabout way, is kind of like, is this, is he right? Are you right? I mean, he's about to die. Like, if you're about to die and you're giving your life and you're like gonna be a martyr for this, you're kind of like, it's a two-minute warning. Let's call a timeout. Like, okay, like, spike the ball. Too soon? All right, never mind. All right, never mind. Okay, all right. We're like, we're going to stop. We got to stop. Time out. It's the end. This better be right. This better be right. And he's like, he goes and he asks his disciples to ask him in Matthew 11, are you the one who's to come or should we expect someone else? He's like, are you right? Are you right? Are you really true? Are you the one? And Jesus assures him. He says, the blind receive their sight. The lame are walking. Leprosy is being cured. The good news is being proclaimed to the poor. Like, look at what's going on. Yes, I'm right. I'm the one. And my followers will be right when they point everybody to me. Okay? And, and, and when, I, I just believe this so strongly, when you come face to face with Jesus, the truth, the way, the truth, and the life, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, you will know, you will know that he's right. You will know. If you can just get close enough to him, just like the woman at the well, there's a story about that in the Bible. She gets close enough, she's like, truly, like you are prophet. Like she's like getting the revelation that she's like, I get this. And she goes and tells everyone, everyone, you got this. See, she was changed. She's like, he's right. He's right. The disciples knew. They're like, he's right. We're going to risk our life on this. We're going to lay down our life on this. He's right. Even the, the Roman centurion that was standing next to Jesus, like, this is as close as we can get to, like, before there's people named Christians, but somebody, like, saying, what if the Christians are right? Okay? Take a look at this, what it says. After Jesus has died on the cross, and he dies in front of the people that were there and the Roman soldiers that were there. In Matthew chapter 27, verse 54, it says the Roman officer and the other soldiers at the crucifixion were terrified by the earthquake and all that had happened. And they said, this man truly was the son of God. I mean, in that moment, they literally are like leading into the question, what if the Christians are right? And I'll say it again, but the closer you get to Jesus, the more you'll see that the Christians are right. You just see, he's perfect. He's sinless. Now, I hope and pray that the closer that people get to Christians, we can see that the Christians are right. That's probably a whole nother sermon, all right? Maybe we're gonna do three parts in this week, all right, in this series. Which incidentally, next week, I'm gonna talk about going from a living hell to an eternal hell. Because she talked about, I didn't want to, I was living in hell. I was going through it and I didn't want to go and spend eternity. So we're going to talk about that next week. But I'm telling you, like, do we live in such a way that if people got close to us, they'd be like, they've got to be right. Look at the joy in their life. Look at the peace. Look at the, look at, look at the fruit of the spirit that's there. He's, they've got to be right. But unfortunately, there's some inconsistencies in our life. We're not perfect. 
Thank God that we can point them to Jesus, the perfect one. Thank God for grace, which she said in the beginning, if it wasn't for the grace of God, I wouldn't be here. And let's keep pointing people to Jesus. And let's not excuse away things like, you know, well, don't worry about me. I do all these bad things. Jesus is good. Let's keep moving and perfecting and looking more like Jesus so there's less confusion in the world. But the closer you get to Jesus, the more you're like, you know what? The Christians are right. And I would say this, the Christians are right. The Christians aren't perfect but the Christians are right. They're right, we're right. And we believe this. We believe nothing can stop the church because we know that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. We know that Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth and the life and no one comes to the father except through me. We're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it's the power that leads to salvation. We believe there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. We believe that all of our labor is not in vain, but we will reap a harvest. We really believe these things. The Christians are right because Jesus is alive and he rose again from the dead and he's waiting right now at the right hand of God the Father. It's true. And there's room for the next person and the next person and the next person. And I hope that question that she raised haunts everyone. What if the Christians are right? What if the Christians are right? And I pray that everyone listening to this message will not let anyone or anything stand in the way. No problem, no person stand in the way of you asking that question and saying, what if the Christians are all right, there are arguments. And I'm so grateful, Amber, that you didn't say, what if the Christians are perfect? But I'm so grateful that Amber said, what if they're right? What if they're right that God takes people that were dead and brings them back to life and makes them spiritually alive? What if they're right that you don't have to work your way in, but God forgives you and gives you grace? What if they're right that the, my, I can have the peace of God in my life and I don't have to have this torment. What if they're right? And I'm praying that people would be asking this question over and over again at every campus, online, and for as long as this message goes around the world, what if the Christians are right? I'm telling you, the Christians are right. The Christians are right because Jesus' word is true. We serve a living Savior. Life after life after life has been changed and God's not done and it's true. And we believe this, there's room for anyone that would call on the name of the Lord. We believe that. If you ask to be forgiven of your sins because your sins have separated you from God and whether you have an amber testimony or you have a testimony like mine where I was seven years old, but I knew that I'd done wrong. I knew that I'd sinned. And I was like, I need forgiveness. Amber needs forgiveness. Everyone needs forgiveness. And I'm praying and saying, God, thank you for saving Amber, but who's the next Amber? And I wrote this in my notes. God, help us to save from Amber to Zeke and everybody in between. That's what we're believing for because the Christians are right. But it's not because we're like so smart. We're right because Jesus is so good. We're right because his promises are true and he's changing lives today. 
And so I wanna pray, and in just a moment, I'm gonna ask people to raise their hand and say yes to Jesus. You've come to the moment, like, what if the Christians are right? Today's the day. Today's the day. Today's the day to say yes. So would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I just pray right now and say thank you for saving Amber. Thank you for saving all the people in our church that have called upon your name. You're not done. You're not done. And I just thank you, God, that she asked that question. What if the Christians are right? And whatever question right now is leading people to faith in you, God, I pray that they'd ask that question. You're not stiff arming anyone away. You're not pushing anyone away. And I just pray, God, because this moment is important. This is an eternal moment. This is not moderately important. This is life and death, eternal life. And so God, just because you're right, just because you're right, we get to be right on this. And so God, as people get ready to say, what if the Christians are right? I pray then that they would have this thought, what if I gave my life to Jesus? And I pray, Lord Jesus, they'd have a confidence and a boldness to raise their hand and say, I give my life to Jesus. I receive you, Lord Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. Holy Spirit, you are knocking on people's hearts right now, and you are calling them to Jesus, and you are convicting them of sin. And so, Holy Spirit, do what only you can do, that people could come into a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Because, Jesus, you're right. You're right, your word is true. We thank you for this, Lord. And as we go to each of the campuses, I pray that each pastor there would lead people into a faith in Jesus Christ in this moment.